Imagine what Mary must have felt and thought as Gabriel told her that in her virgin womb, a child would be conceived, that she would participate in a conception unlike any other in the history of the world, that the child she would soon carry in her womb would grow into a man that would reign on David's throne, a man that would reign over the house of Jacob forever. And if that weren't enough, Gabriel told Mary that this miraculous child would be called the son of the most high God. Hearing such potent information must have been overwhelming for Mary. The words of Gabriel must have been hard to process, and I'm sure there were a million questions running through her mind. But Mary only asks one. In verse 34, Mary asks Gabriel, But how can this be? I am a virgin. Mary asks the most sensible question anyone could have thought of. Virgins and pregnancy do not go hand in hand. And judging from how Gabriel responded, you can tell that he thought Mary's question was completely valid. Gabriel doesn't think that Mary's question is rooted in disbelief of God or in what God can accomplish. Instead, Mary's question seems to be one of clarification. How is it possible for a virgin to be pregnant? In verse 35, Gabriel gives Mary the answer. Gabriel said that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the power of the Most High will overshadow her. Therefore, the child to be born to you will be called Holy the Son of God. Gabriel is saying something, something like this. Yes, Mary, I know you're a virgin, and I realize that never in the history of the world has a virgin been with child. I get it. But Mary, the unparalleled nature of this pregnancy is the exact point you need to understand. The child that grows in your womb is conceived in an unprecedented way. Yes, The child that grows in your womb is a brand new thing that God is doing. And you're right, this pregnancy has no parallel in your experience or in anyone else's for that matter. And the child that grows out of this brand new conception, he will be a brand new thing as well. This brand new thing that Gabriel was announcing to Mary was that in her literal womb, God would reunite everything that had been torn apart in the fall. The son of the father would descend from the loftiest heights of heaven and reunite himself to us. Humanity and divinity, estranged since the fall of Adam, would now be reconciled in their very natures in the womb of a teenage girl. In verse 38, Mary responds to this brain-bending news by saying, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Mary's faith in God to do what he said he would do is evident and it's beautiful. Her heart was tendered towards God and the trust that she demonstrated is a standard of which every single one of us should strive to imitate. But there's something else about the Annunciation to Mary, something that is deep and beautiful and I think it's absolutely vital that we see it. And believe it or not, the best way to see it, I think, is to look at the other Annunciation in Luke, the Annunciation of John's birth to Zechariah. You see, just a few verses before our gospel text, before Gabriel's announcement to Mary, Luke tells us of a priest named Zechariah. He was chosen to burn incense before the Lord in the temple. And while he was in the temple praying and making offerings to the Lord, many were outside of the temple offering prayers of their own. One of those people that were praying outside of the temple that day was the wife of Zechariah, Elizabeth. And Luke tells us about the quality of these two people, Elizabeth and Zechariah. 
Luke tells us that both of them were righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But for as blameless as Zechariah and Elizabeth were, they still dealt with a difficult and painful problem. Luke tells us in verse 7, But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. The pain of not being able to have a child is severe. The pain can be so deep that it tears marriages apart. Some lose faith. Some grow so bitter and despondent that they lose all hope. But that doesn't seem to be the case for Zechariah and Elizabeth. Even in the midst of their pain, they were walking blamelessly before the Lord as husband and wife. And as Zechariah, the faithful husband and the priest of God, stood in the temple praying to the Lord, something incredible happened. An angel appeared to Zechariah and said, Don't be afraid, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call him John. The pain and disappointment that a childless Zechariah and Elizabeth felt was not lost upon God. He had heard their prayer, and with the coming of the angel Gabriel, God was pronouncing their pain and disappointment at an end. And as if God answering a lifelong prayer wasn't enough, Gabriel describes to Zechariah what this son would be like. The angel said that he would be great before the Lord. He would be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many in Israel back to God. He would minister with the Spirit and the power of Elijah. He would turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and children to their fathers. The disobedient back to the wisdom of the just. Zechariah, his son John, would make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Not only had God answered the prayers of Zechariah and Elizabeth, not only did he send an angel to tell them, but the child that grew in the womb of Elizabeth would be of the rarest quality. He would minister in Israel with a power and zeal that few had ever seen, and he would do so because he was preparing the way for the coming of God himself. And as with Mary... I'm sure this was a lot for Zechariah to take in. Like Mary, I'm sure he had a million questions running through his mind. But Zechariah only asks one. In verse 18, Zechariah said this. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. On the surface, Zechariah's question sounds kind of similar to Mary's. But judging from the response of Gabriel, Gabriel doesn't seem to agree. Gabriel responds to Zechariah's questions by saying this, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until that day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Now hang on a second. When Mary asked Gabriel a follow-up question, how can this be, I'm a virgin? She wasn't punished. As a matter of fact, Gabriel answered her question and everything seemed cool. But when Zechariah asked Gabriel what seems to be a very similar follow-up question, how shall I know this? For I'm old and so is my wife. Gabriel hits him with a supernatural punishment? Guys, the two annunciation stories that are found in Luke are practically carbon copies of one another. 
They mirror each other in almost every way with the exception of how Gabriel responds to Zechariah and Mary. So what's going on? Why does Gabriel have two different reactions to what seem to be two similar questions? Well, let's look at Zechariah's question again. Because as you'll see, his question may sound similar to Mary, but there's a fundamental difference between the two. Zechariah asked the angel, how shall I know this? A more direct translation would read, by what thing shall I know this? Zechariah was saying something like, how can I be sure of what you're saying? How do I know you're telling the truth? Zechariah was saying something very close to, that sounds crazy and I don't think I believe it. But here's the truth for Zechariah. As a priest, as a Torah-believing Jew, Zechariah would have professed a faith that the God of Israel had performed many mighty deeds in the past. The flood, the exodus, David slaying Goliath, Elijah calling down fire from heaven, Daniel in the lion's den, Israel's return from exile, and the list could go on and on. All of those things happened because God interceded and moved in a mighty way. Zechariah would have believed all of those things. You know what else Zechariah would have believed? Zechariah would have believed that a 99-year-old barren woman named Sarah, the wife of Abraham, miraculously found herself to be with child. Zechariah would have believed that Isaac's wife, Rebecca, and Jacob's wife, Rachel, were all barren and childless until God showed up and made them fruitful. Zechariah would have held as an article of faith the truthfulness of every single one of those stories. He would have said he believed that those stories were proof that God can do what man finds impossible. And then Zechariah is told that that same God who had worked the miraculous in the past would now move upon the womb of his barren wife, just as he had done for Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel. He would do for Elizabeth exactly what Zechariah had always hoped and prayed for. God would do exactly what Zechariah believed God possessed the power and kindness to do. But when God brought the miraculous to Zechariah, when belief in the miraculous became more than just words, when it was time for Zechariah to act out in his body what he said he believed, he hesitated. He doubted. He looked at Gabriel and said, I don't believe that's possible. Now contrast that with Mary. Mary trusted that God would do exactly as Gabriel said. She believed that in her virgin womb, Israel's Messiah and the king of the whole world would be conceived by the power of the Most High. But you know what's different? Mary had no events in the past that gave precedent for her belief. She had no doctrinal beliefs about the virgin birth. God had never done anything like this before. But Mary trusted God to do what, many, what, what God had said anyway. And the trust that she showed was a faith that went beyond just her words. It was a faith that was lived out in her very body. And guys, here is why I think that's important this morning. I think the church is full of Zacharias. I think the church is full of upstanding Good, Bible-believing Christians, decent people who love their families, men and women who read their Bibles and pray, who profess with their mouth that we serve a God of miracles. 
But when God comes to them, when God comes to the Zechariahs of the church and wishes to work a miracle in them, when it's time for their faith to move beyond words, and when God wants to live out in them what they say they believe, they hesitate. They doubt. Not quite sure if God will or even can do what he said. Guys, if I'm honest, I've watched myself act like a Zechariah far more often than a Mary. Like Zechariah, I believe there are a million examples of God working the miraculous in other people's lives. I know that God can do what seems impossible, but when it comes to God doing the miraculous in me, too often have I looked at God and said, not a chance. That's impossible. And I'm not trying to convince you this morning that you're more like a Zechariah than a Mary. Because my hunch is I don't need to convince you one way or another. Because you already know. If you're praying for God to do something miraculous in your life, if you're praying for God to change your heart, to change your families, to change your neighborhoods, if you're praying for God to light a fire under his church and to make us into a people who actually love our neighbors, people who don't just give lip service to the gospel, but actually incarnate the gospel in a lost and broken world. If you're praying for things so big that only God himself could make them happen, then when God shows up and starts to work the miraculous in front of your face, don't hesitate. Don't doubt. In that moment, do not respond like Zechariah. Don't profess that you believe God can work the miraculous in this world, yet respond with doubt when the Lord does the miraculous in your midst. In that moment, respond like Mary. Respond like a person who acts out what they say they believe. That we trust God is who He says He is that we trust that He will do what He says He will do, that He is willing and able to do what may seem impossible to us. And I think that's the big takeaway from the Annunciation. Do we trust that God wants to do something new in this stale old world? Do we trust that God wants to do something new in our stale old hearts? Because if we say we do, then when God shows up and asks you to follow him into something brand new, don't hesitate. Don't doubt. In that moment, follow God like Mary did, with a mind that may be full of questions, but with a heart that is absolutely resolved to trust in God.